Is that a joke? Cindy moved in closer. It got pretty quiet. Cindy looked very intently at the woman who had said that. This woman was talking to me. Cindy said, did you say is that a joke? There was a silence. Cindy's eyes hadn't blinked on what had seemed like an eternity. She pointed her finger at the rude lady and said, really? For many of us, especially us men, there is a time when your spouse stands up for you and fights for you. It's kind of awkward, but there's this feeling of how worthy I am. She pointed her finger at the lady and said, really? Because that's what I keep asking him. When is he going to shave that mustache? Roll Tide, Victor. Roll Tide. All right. Betrayal at the highest level. My heart was ready. This is my moment. My woman stands up for me in the godly confines of Chick-fil-A. Um, betrayal. Roger Staubach. Scrambling. Looking for somebody. Anybody remember a guy named Jackie Smith? Was he open, Clay? Wide open. In the end zone. Against the who? Steelers. Yeah, you haven't forgotten, have you? Against the Steelers. In the what game? Super Bowl. Jackie Smith and Roger Staubach had thrown the ball that season alone for six months, just back and forth. Jackie Smith can catch things probably with his eyes closed. He's wide open in the game. Hits him in the hand and chest and rolls off. There's nobody five yards away, five yards from within him. His instincts, things that he wanted to do, things he had practiced to do, betrayed him. At the hour of his biggest need, failed him. More serious one. After fighting for orphans and for money that could help save many children. Esqueleto turns his back on Nacho. It says, I hate all the orphans in the world. Say it again to my face. I hate them. I hate them all. Betrayal. He's lost the dream. I know some of you are thinking, is this a sermon? Yes, it is. Betrayal, the loss of a dream. I'm out. I'm not on board anymore. I'm gone. Eventually, we're going to get to John 18 today. And I don't have any scriptures up on the screen, so you'll need to use your Bible. But there was a dreamer who once said, I close my eyes and I can see a world that's waiting there for me that I call my own. Through the dark, through the door, through where no one's been before, but it feels like home. They can say, they can say that I'm a dreamer. They can say, they can say that it all sounds crazy. They can say, they can say that I've lost my mind. I don't care. I don't care if you call me crazy. We can live in a world that we design. 
Because every night I lie in bed, the brightest colors in my head, a million dreams are keeping me awake. I think of what the world could be, a vision of the one that I see, a million dreams is all it's going to take, a million dreams for the world we're going to make. These words echo the beautiful poetry in John chapter 1. As Jesus comes into the world with a dream, with the vision. And as Colossians says, everything was made for him, or by him, and through him, and for him. And God comes and sets foot, makes tabernacle, makes his dwelling among him. He's got a dream. Let's pray. God, you are good. I can't say anything more true than that today. You are good. I thank you for your vision for life to the fullest for our lives. The dream that became reality when your son set foot on this earth and showed us how to walk. Open my mouth today in a way that honors you. Open our ears today in a way that leads us to walk in your footsteps. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Some of y'all have heard that, those words that I just spoke from the greatest showman, as it is very loosely based on the story of P.T. Barnum and how he began his life. But he had a dream. But for Jesus, this dream of creating a world where forgiveness trumped victory, where love was exchanged with one another, where dependence on the Father was, wasn't able to, to be escaped, and where God no longer lived on earth but in his people. And he shared that, and this dream echoed inside of his people. Now, as we get started on this story in John chapter 18, I want to remind you of a few things. In John chapter 6, let's go ahead and turn there first. Jesus begins to open up the door to a little bit of the story that's going to unfold. And what I want to remind you of in John is while Matthew gives you every nook and cranny of the story and what happened and why it happened, John likes to paint with these big brushes and then give you a little bit here and then he goes on with the big brush again. And it goes like this, chapter 6, verse 60. On hearing this, Jesus had just taught them a hard lesson. On hearing this, many of the disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Bounce down to 64. Jesus says, Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. 66. From that time forward, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. 
You want to leave me too? Do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus said, I have not chosen you. Have I not chosen you? Yet one of you is the devil. 71. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who though one of the twelve was later to betray him. Let's turn to chapter 12 and do some background work here. As we look into the story of chapter 18, there's some important little markers that, that John leaves us. Chapter 12, verses 5 and 6. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. This is Judah speaking. And John lets us in really quick. He did not say that because Judas cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and the keeper of the money bag, and he used to help himself to what he put into it. So we hear a little bit about Judas there. First, I just read to you about Simon Peter's response. As people are abandoning the ship, as people are leaving the dream, and Peter says, who would we go to? You have the words of life. It's through you that we have life. And then we just find out a little bit as, as Mary anointed Jesus. Then the question becomes, what should we have done with that? Should we have honored Jesus or should we have lined the pockets of Judas? Last verse I want us to look at as we get into some uh, background. Um, chapter 12, verse 37 and 38. Even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, the Lord, Lord, who has believed our message and who has the arm of the Lord, who has the arm of the Lord revealed. So he goes on and he says, I will, sorry, that was supposed to be 13, which will make a little bit more sense. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me. You will disown me three times. So as we get into chapter 18, you can go ahead and flip over there. We are going to take a look at the story that Jesus is calling them into. So why is he calling them into this story? But we get the two main characters we're about to learn about. We saw Judas in his heart, and we saw Peter in his heart. But we also hear about how Peter is going to fail. That's a hard story. Now, I want to remind you that in the book of John, there are seven I am statements. Again, the big paintbrush as we get into this story, I want to remind you of the dream. I want to remind you of as Jesus who had no place to lay his head as he reminds his disciples, if you're going to follow me, you're not going to have a place to call your own home. This dream is going to take us away from this world even while we live in it. The comforts of this world is not what we are pursuing anymore. And so he gives them a couple things. He said, listen, I'm going to tell you who I am. I am the bread of life. In chapter 6, 35, he says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never grow hungry. And he who believes will never go thirsty. A big promise, but he's saying, you know what? What's going to fulfill your life is whenever you decide that you're going to follow me instead of the ways of the world. And if you follow my ways, 
you will be satisfied. And whenever everybody else is getting theirs right now, you will be satisfied. And when you can't go on anymore because you're thirsty, I will give you relief. You will not be thirsty whenever you are drinking from me. And then in chapter 8, he says, I am the light of the world. 8 verse 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Again, John 1 begins in darkness. And he becomes this light. And John are sharing this light to the people. And he says, I will show you the way when you're confused, when it's dark, whenever people are doing unspeakable things to you in the darkness, I will be the light and I will show you the way. Then he says, I am the gate in chapter 10. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. There is no other name that we can be saved through. There is no one else who has laid down their life and resurrected three days later. There is only one. There are many people who claim to be God who were killed. There's many. But as Jimmy continues to remind us, there's one person who called his death and his resurrection, pulled it off. I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd, says chapter 10, verse 11. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And we're going to see that here in a little bit. A God who comes and he redeems you instead of you working for your redemption the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep i am the resurrection and the life whenever we die to ourselves as we witness people doing in this baptistry behind us we die to ourselves and rise again to new life jesus is that resurrection whenever this body dies and many of us have buried loved ones there is a death but there is a resurrection. That is part of the promise that you, we will live with him eternally. Chapter 14, verse 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody who comes to the Father can come except through me. He is the way. There are not alternate ways. And lastly, Jesus says, I am the vine. Jimmy's preached on this for uh, a couple weeks ago. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, I will remain in him, and he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, those are like, okay, Ricky, I've heard about the seven I am saved, but what I want to encourage you to say is that this is the dream, that we would, we would live a life where a God satisfies our life in spite of what we are pursuing here on earth he is better. He is satisfying. He is the light of the world. He is going to show us the way. He is going to guide our steps. He is the gate. The gate serves not only to come in, but also to protect. He is our protection, and he is our way in. And the dream is that we would live eternally, that we would begin our eternal life here on earth and live it throughout eternity. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's an awesome song out right now with, that, uh, with those words. And I am the vine. Jesus says, no longer am I just going to be this God who's here or this God who's in this temple. I am going to be in you. And through you, we are going to do many things when I am in you. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they spend a lot of time on Jesus' teachings. 
Okay, they're going to say, here's the Sermon on the Mount. Here's the lesson that he taught on this. Here's this parable. But John wants to give these big pictures. He wants to tell us about this big dream. He wants to tell us about this great vision that God has for our relationship with him. John, as we see him, approaches it in a very different way. And you can see that John isn't saying that he is saying everything. The very last book of, uh, you can look at the very last verse in the book of John, uh, chapter 21, verse 25. He's making no claim that it is, this is the complete story. But he wants us to stick with this story. John is talking, taking us down a path. And in John chapter 11, he makes a turn and he starts heading towards the cross. We see a plot to kill Jesus in verse 11. In verse 12, Judas is revealed, is revealing his heart, that he's in it for himself. And whenever it benefits him, he's on board. Jesus walks through uh, a gate in verse 12. When we celebrate that on Palm Sunday, he's walking through the same gate on a donkey that the Maccabees came through a couple hundred years earlier. Who were the Maccabees? They came and they liberated the city of Jerusalem although for a short time, from some other conquering nation. And Jesus is coming through that same gate on a donkey? And Jesus is saying, yes, I'm a different kind of king. Verse 13, uh, our, uh, the leader, Jesus, and the king, Jesus, washes the disciples' feet. And Jesus begins to talk about betrayal. And he begins to talk about denial. And John 14, here's where it gets messy. Because the title in John 14 that somebody has put on there is Jesus Comforts His Disciples. I actually want to change that title since it isn't inspired. It was put by another man just as he was saying, hey, how can I organize this choir? And I would like to say Jesus confuses His disciples at this point. We hear Philip say, Lord, we don't know how to go where you're going. Uh, or just show us the Father. And we hear Thomas saying, I, we don't know. Then he promises the Holy Spirit. And he says, I must go so he can come. So there's confusion there. John 15, stay connected to me and I will be inside of you. Oh, also chapter 15, everybody's going to hate you. This is the dream, people. Live in the dream. John 16, I will go away and somebody you cannot see will come and you will be sad, but it will turn to happiness. Oh yeah, and several times throughout these chapters, Jesus says, I will die, and one of you will betray me. Chapter 17, Jesus prays, and probably Peter, James, and John were the only ones that were there with him praying if he sticks to the same pattern, but we don't know. But he says, stay connected together and let the Spirit guide you. All right, we're in chapter 18. Here we go. I think I'm supposed to preach now. Let's take a little look at Jesus as we're chapter 18, verse 1. He has just prayed this prayer for them. When he had finished praying, Jesus left his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was an olive grove, and he and his disciples went to it. Now Judas dimmed the lights, put the, the scary music on. Now Judas, who betrayed him, See, he's about to betray him, but John just wants to make sure that we know. Now Judas, who betrayed him, 
knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. Verse 3, so Judas came to the grove guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials and the chief priests and Pharisees. And they were carrying torches and lamp, uh, lanterns and weapons. Now, why do they need a detachment of soldiers? Soldiers. I don't know if you remember, you've been following along with us, but he's given them the slip at least twice. He disappears, Jesus uh, disappears in the crowd. He goes away from them and they can't get him. They're trying to arrest him. One time they send the guards there and they come back. They say, well, did you arrest me? And they said, we've never heard anybody speak like this before. So this time they've actually got soldiers, not just the guards, but they have soldiers with them. They're going to take care of this. Jesus, knowing what was going to happen to him, verse 4, went out and asked them, who is it that you want? Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am, Jesus said. And Judas the traitor was standing there with them. And when he said, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. Ooh, that escalated quickly. They're coming in. Now, in the original text, it doesn't say, I am he. It says, I am. And they come to take him, and the very breath from his lungs says, I am. Now, here's what struck me as I'm reading that. The lion, how many of you have seen a lion roar? Maybe at a zoo, maybe on a safari. Chills. Chills. You feel a power. And the lion of Judah comes to the forefront, asserts his deity, and says, I am. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth? I am. And there's no mistaken when John uses this language to say, I am calling back on the same I am who introduced himself to Moses back in the desert. And so he says, I am. So they back up and they fall down as the lion roars at them. Who is it that you want? He asks again. They've already asked and he's already answered, but he asks again. Who is it that you want? Jesus of Nazareth. I am. He answers for the second time. Do they fall down this time? No. At this point we see somebody that John introduced earlier. Help me out with this. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the what? sin of the world the lion is there in the garden the lamb is there in the garden he's asserted himself as nobody takes my life he's he tells this to Pilate in a couple of hours you don't have any authority to take my life I lay my life down willingly so as somebody tries to put Jesus in a box and take them Jesus says, hold on, let's remember who we're talking to here. I am. And as Jesus asserts who he is, Emmanuel, God with us, they fall down. And yet they ask again. And the lamb answers, I am. I am the one who will take away the sins of the world. 
Let's take a look at Judas on this. John actually drops Judas from the story after this. Uh, he's done what he needed to to tell us the big story. But we've been taught, tipped off throughout the book about Judas. So let's see what we can learn about him. His actions and his attitudes are a reflection of his heart. At some point, Judas jumps the train. He says, I'm done. I can't follow anymore. There's an element of self-preservation happening. Jesus is a prophet? Well, there's been other prophets and there's going to be more. He's leading the people? Well, John the Baptist was leading. And he got his head cut off. And nobody benefited from that. I'm going to get mine now. I'm going to cash out. Because if I at least get my hand in this, I can cash out. This is not panning out. Jesus is even saying that he's going to die. He hasn't taken care of the Romans yet either. Where is King, the seed of David, who comes and gets rid of the Romans so that we can live in peace? So that we can worship freely? Where is he? This guy isn't even... John the Baptist even doubted him. And now I completely doubt him. And I'm off the train. I am not with him. He essentially says, I am not in on this. I am not going to follow this dream. I am not going to give my life for this. I am not believing the kingdom dream. And John drops Judas from the story. And here's some things that I've learned from Judas as we look at this story. Jesus does not choose to alter Judas's natural choice to buy in or not to buy into the kingdom. Have you ever been in a situation where you're sitting there going, well, why did God let them do that? Look what God has let somebody do to him. But they hurt me. And I'm not minimizing the horrors that have happened in this room. But Jesus, in spite of a dark choice, is going to bring light. Jesus still calls Judas one of the twelve, as we're leading up to this passage, even though he knew he'd betray him. I can almost see him as he started ruining it for everyone when they, the, 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 the latest superhero movie. They've got Thanos. Anybody seen this movie? Right? They've got Thanos. They're holding him down. He's got seven superheroes trying to steal his glove that has the rocks. He's about to destroy the world with the what? With the snap of his finger, right? And all of a sudden, here comes Star-Lord. He just can't keep his mouth shut. And Star-Lord distracts everybody else, and he arouses Thanos. And all of a sudden, Thanos explodes on everybody and just throws everybody off. And he keeps the thing, and then he ends up snapping his finger, and bad things happen. Some of you are like, I haven't seen that movie. Some of us have. But that's, that's this moment with him. And Jesus says, I'm going to let you do it if that's your choice. What about Peter? While it's not an outright be, uh, betrayal, there is a denial. And I'm even going to say for both Judas and for, uh, for Peter, there is some confusion. How do I follow this? You just heard what I read to you. I'm leaving, but I'm going to be in you. I'm dying, but I'm the resurrection. And this is on this side of the resurrection. Jesus, as with Jesus, does not control Peter's natural instincts. He is not controlling Peter. And he does correct him, though. Peter's re reflex is to fight his way out. 
oh, I'm not going down. It's not going down like this. I'm going to control the situation. He pulls out a sword. He cuts Malchus's ears off. Number one, why does he have a sword? Jesus knew him. He knew he had a sword. How does he cut his ear off? I don't know. I'm going to let Jimmy explain that one. But I will say this. As you read this story of John and all the, the um, arrests and the names, and John is name dropping, here's the deal. When he starts name dropping, it's so that people could confirm that the story is true. Let's read about Peter and then let's get out of here. Let's go back to John, chapter 18, verse 15. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus, which is John. So John and Peter are following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to thy priest, he went into the high priest's courtyard, but Peter had to wait outside the door. The other disciple, who was known by the high priest, which is John, came back, spoke to the girl on duty, and brought Peter in. You are not one of his disciples, are you? The girl at the door asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold, and the servants and the officials stood around the fire and made uh, to keep themselves warm, and Peter was standing with them also. Verse 25, as Simon Peter stood warming himself, he asked, Are you not one of the disciples? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priests and servants, one of the relatives of the man that Peter had cut his ear off, challenged him, Didn't I see you in the olive grove? And Peter, again, denied it. And that, at that moment, the rooster crowed. Jesus had already told him, you are going to deny me before the rooster crows. And here we see it happen. What I think is amazing is that we have two choices. We have the I am, and we have the I am not. Peter is in a situation where he's in the right spot to die for Jesus. And he fails. His instincts as he's watching Jesus get slapped around in the room next door, fail him to see the dream of the kingdom. On a cold night, he forgets the Lion of Judah who's making himself the Lamb. And he forgets. Here's what we're taking with us today. Jesus still owns the story. Jesus still owns the story. When everything looks bleak, Jesus still owns your story. My story. If I am dead and he is alive in me, then he still owns my story. Yeah, but you don't know what someone did to me. Let me tell you, Jesus knows. There's nothing that's happened to you that has been in such a dark place that he does not know. And he did not weep with you. You may be a victim of something that's atrocious and it breaks my heart. And, and it breaks God's heart that somebody would make that evil choice. But Jesus was a victim too. He knows what it's like to have people walk out on him. He knows what it's like for people to choose to hurt innocent people. And there may be curveballs. And things may not come out the way we want them to. But Jesus says, I own the story. And it will not be thwarted. Some may, maybe some of you are finding yourself in Judah's shoes this morning. That's a, that's a bad place. But it's real. And I, sometimes I find myself on the brink, and maybe you find yourself on the brink. Will you be tempted to jump ship? 
is Jesus' dream big enough? Is his kingdom vision good enough for you? Even if it's not about you? Judas, his heart was never really turned on to the kingdom. And sometimes I see some of us who, yes, we want what this church can offer us. But the buy-in to the kingdom of saying, you know what, I am going to treat those who are in a lower position at my work, I'm going to treat them as if I was their servant. That's kingdom buy-in. That person who hurt me, I'm going to forgive them. That's kingdom buy-in. I'm going to adopt this child who has no right to be in my family. That's kingdom buy-in. Are we pursuing the kingdom dream? Even though it doesn't benefit our kingdom. Judas jumped ship. When money and power are stripped from his benefit, he cashes out. So let me ask you, when your marriage is no longer beneficial or satisfying to you, will you cash out? And let me tell you, there is grace, there is redemption, but for those of us who are on the brink of that right now, don't cash out yet. I pray you don't cash out at all. When being loving to those around you doesn't mean victory for you, don't cash out. When somebody does something horrible to you and you didn't become the star of the show, don't cash out. Stick with the dream. If you're struggling with these things, I, I beg you to seek wise counsel. Maybe it's from a counselor. Maybe it's from an elder. Maybe it's from a minister. Don't cash out on the kingdom dream. Maybe you find yourself in Peter's shoes. You will fail and you are not perfect. Stay on the journey. When we revert back, back to your brokenness and your reflexes, I know what I'm talking about from personal experiences. Don't give up. Don't give up. In our confusion and in the moment, when our reflexes and our natural instincts takes us away from the kingdom. Judas and Peter both wept bitterly. One of them turned back. How many times in our confusion, in our hurt, are we invited to stand with Jesus? And we're not sure what we want to answer. Are you still with Jesus? I am not. I am. Speaking the great name, the great name of Jesus, I am. When the choice to fight or forgive, are you in? I am. I am not. What is our choice? What is going to be our answer? When financial gain is on the line by fudging the numbers a little bit, are you still with Jesus? I am. I am not. What I want to remind you of is that you have a choice. Peter found himself in his brokenness. Went back to what he knew because obviously he couldn't, he couldn't do it. Went back to where he was. He found himself on a fishing boat doing what he'd always done. I am not is what he said. I am not. And Jesus comes and meets him there. And he runs to the shore. And he greets his Savior. He had lost the vision of what the kingdom dream was. And maybe it sounded like this. I drank champagne with kings and queens. The politicians praised my name. Peter was a popular guy at this point. Follower of the rabbi Jesus. But those are someone else's dreams, the pitfalls of the man I became. For years and years, I chased their cheers. 
crazy speed of always needing more. But when I stop and see you there, I remember what all this was for. From now on, my eyes will not be blinded by the light. And from now on, what's waited for tomorrow starts tonight. And let this promise in me start like an anthem in my heart. From now on, from now on. If your life has been stuck in the I am not, and you are struggling with what Paul said, I don't do what I want to do, and what I don't want to do, I do. And you're struggling. Do I give it to the kingdom? How do I live in that kingdom? Make today your from now on day. You're not going to sell out. You're going to make mistakes, but your face is going to be pointed towards the kingdom like Peter's was. Whenever you have a chance to stand up for Jesus and you say, I am not, get back up and speak the name of Jesus, I am, and continue to walk because Jesus restores Peter. And Peter, 43 days after he denied him, gets up and speaks in a crowd of 3,000 people, give their life, because Peter said, I am. From now on, I am. And that's my call to you. Whether you're a high school senior, whether you're a college student, whether you're a grandparent, or you've got a house full of kids, or you're alone, make today the day you start saying, I am, to the invitation of Jesus.